So go on that out and thank you, Miss Karen, because she's been working on teaching uh, them piano. We're so grateful for that. Um, we're especially grateful for the piano lessons because our piano is in the living room. And so every time they walk by, they play something on the piano, which I guess is good in the end. Um, and then the teacher at the school sent them home with, with um, recorders, and they really like that, so especially in the van anyways. But one of my regrets is that I quit taking, I took piano and violin and quit both, and I wish I would have kept up. So I'm grateful for their playing. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 today. Luke 2, 8 through 20. And we're going to look at the angels visiting the shepherds. We've been looking at these angelic accounts in scripture, and we've talked about the angel visiting Zechariah, John the baptizer's father. By the way, it's uh, Zacharias from the Hebrew and Zechariah from the Greek. We saw the angel uh, visiting Zechariah. We've seen the angel visiting Mary, the mother of Jesus. We looked at that last week. And today we come to Luke 2, 8 through 20. You know, Christmas, I put in my notes, Christmas is over. Although the Christmas festivities go on for a week and, you know, which is just wonderful, right? And I pray that you had a very delightful Christmas day, a very restful Christmas day. I pray that you're having a very good time with family and friends and keeping Christ the center of Christmas. I like looking at what early church leaders wrote. And St. August, Augustine wrote, Our Lord came down from life to suffer death. The bread came down to hunger. The way came down on the way to weariness. The fount came down to thirst. And then in another writing, Augustine said, He so loved us that for our sake, he was made man in time. Although through him, all times were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother's womb. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy, he, the word, without him all human eloquence is mute. Think about that, how amazing it is. God created man and women. God created everything. John 1, 1 says everything actually was created through Jesus, like Jesus was the one who carried it out. Then he became part of his creation. Why do you do it? To go to the cross for us. Whenever we talk about the gospel, oftentimes we talk about the cross, but never leave out the resurrection. Death could not contain him. He went to the cross and he rose again. And how neat it is, how awesome it is as we celebrate Advent season, as we celebrate Christmas, we also have to celebrate the resurrection. Speaking of celebrating Christmas, in 1224, 1224, inspired by the sight of shepherds tending their flocks in the moonlight, St. Francis of Assisi asked a wealthy friend from Grecio, Italy, to help him construct a live manger scene. This was the first ever live manger scene. The idea caught on. By the 15th century, nativity scenes proliferated in monasteries and churches throughout southern Europe. Today... 
Perhaps the finest collection of miniature nativity scenes in the world is found in Munich's National Museum of Bavaria, where more than 200, 200 nativities are displayed. Isn't that interesting? It took until 1224 for the first nativity scene. Early on, the church immediately started celebrating the resurrection. But it took a while before they started celebrating Jesus' birth. And if you want some, some studies about that or some, um, I could, some things you could listen to, the Colson Center's Upstream podcast had a historian on, and they had just three or four different lessons on the history of celebrating Christmas. See, people think that Christmas was copied as a pagan holiday. But that's most likely not true. There are certain reasons why they celebrate it this time period, and there's various reasons which I could share with you at another time. You know, so we've been preaching about these accounts of the angels and narratives of Jesus' birth. Today we look at the angels visiting the shepherds. Recall the definition of angel. The meaning of the word angel, the Hebrew word is malak. I like that word. It sounds pretty cool just to say it, right? You gotta, if you speak in Hebrew or German, you gotta talk with some type of like a grunt or something. So, Moloch, you know, the Hebrew word Moloch simply means messenger. Now, if you talk French, you sound really smart, right? Or Latin or Italian or Greek. But Hebrew, you sound like a warrior. So the Hebrew word Moloch simply means messenger. And it may refer to a human messenger, such as 1 Kings 19.2, or a divine messenger, like Genesis 28.12, a divine messenger. The basic meaning of the word is one who is sent. One who is sent. As a divine messenger, an angel is a heavenly being charged by God with some commission. A heavenly being charged by God with some commission. The Hebrew word is found 103 times in the Old Testament. The Greek word, which is angelos, angelos, occurs 175 times in the New Testament. However, of men, as in human men, it is used only six times. The word angelos is similar to the Hebrew malach. It also means messenger who speaks and acts in the place of the one who has sent him. The angels were divine messengers, heavenly beings. And as I've shared the last few weeks and shared it a few years ago in a sermon on angels, they were intimidating beings. They are intimidating beings. They were not how we portray them oftentimes in our art and things like that. In Isaiah 6, we see seraphs flying with six wings. And as as, as Isaiah has this amazing heavenly vision in Ezekiel chapter 1 and then later on around chapter 9 and 10, we see angels as well. They They were heavenly beings. They were intimidating beings. They were warriors. So we see the angels visit the shepherds and, and they worship God in verses 8 through 14 of Luke chapter 2. So if you're not there, please turn to Luke chapter 2. So Jesus has now been born. And this passage is picking up right after his birth in Bethlehem. Right after his birth in Bethlehem. Uh, let's read Luke 2, 8 through 14. It says in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with 
great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, it's actually a plural you, it'd be like y'all, okay? For unto y'all is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel, so it's one angel, but now it's, and now, now it's with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Notice, the shepherds were in the same region. They were out in their fields. By the way, I believe, if I recall, this is the passage that Linus shares in that great Charlie Brown Christmas special. And by the way, if you watch that, which everybody should watch every year, we haven't watched that this year, we gotta watch that. And if you watch that, after Linus shares to Charlie Brown and all the world what Christmas is all about, he does a microphone drop. Not really a microphone drop, you know, like they say if you say something really important, you drop the microphone afterwards. He dropped his blanket. Linus dropped his blanket. He read, he shared about what Christmas is all about, and he dropped his blanket, which meant end of discussion. And also it could mean he didn't need the comfort. Jesus is the comforter. It's really cool. So here these shepherds are. They're in the same region, the same region as Jesus is, as Jesus' birth, the same region as Bethlehem. And they were out in their fields. They're tending the flock. They're tending the flock. They're out for the purpose of watching their flock by night. By the way, a lot of study could be done about shepherds and the humility of that job. We often hear the shepherds were the lowest class, which is always interesting to me. Like I've heard Bible scholars say shepherds were looked down upon. They were of the lower class, which never made sense. I mean, David was a shepherd. The original background of the Israelites, going back to the patriarchs, were shepherds. Then a few years ago, I was listening to Dr. Radonik on Moody Radio, and I've heard him share this a few times now. And he says, actually, that's not true. It's not true that shepherds were looked down upon. The reason people say that is because we see in the account of Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis that shepherds were looked down upon, but that was the Egyptian view of shepherds, not the Israelite view of shepherds. There is also some rabbinic literature negative of shepherds. But that is from the 4th century A.D. Dr. Adonik does not think they were the lowest class. And, and I would take his word because he's professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. He specializes in ancient Jewish literature and things like that, as well as the, the whole Bible overall. He's a Greek major in, in school. But it's interesting, Dr. Adelnik agrees with the Life Application Study Bible that says that these might have been the shepherds supplying the lambs for temple sacrifices, which were used for forgiveness of sins. Isn't that interesting? When I first heard that idea, I thought, 
No, that's probably not true. I mean, it, it sounds too cool to be true. But then when I heard Dr. Adonik say it, if he says it, I believe it. But, you know, how interesting if that is true. We can't prove it, but that these shepherds are tending the lambs that would be used for the sacrifices at the temple. And here, the angel comes to them. And then they go and they see the ultimate lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. That is really awesome. And in the providence of God, it definitely could be true. The shepherds were literally guarding their flocks for the night. Verse eight tells the place. Verse nine is about to tell what happens. This is all happening simultaneously to the previous verses. Jesus has been born, and it seems that at the same time as his birth, or right after his birth, this happens. So it's quite likely at the same time as Jesus is being born, or right after, like moments after, like seconds after, the angel is dispatched. And the angel goes to the shepherds. Now certainly in the Bible... It has to appear like it's chronological, even if it's simultaneously. An angel of the Lord appeared or stood. The New American Standard Bible, which is very literal, says suddenly, suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared or stood. The Greek verb for stood carries the idea of suddenly. This is a sudden thing. It just came out of thin air. I mean, imagine if you're out at night taking a night hike or guarding your dog, or if you have one of those little miniature poodles, you got to guard the dog at night, right? Because they don't count as dogs. They're like having a cat. Our dog's like a cat anyways. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with that dog. Anyways, you know, so that shepherd's out guarding. Imagine if you're just out at night and suddenly an angel comes out of thin air. I think we'd be a little bit afraid too. One night, right before my senior year at Cedarville University, uh, I was out letting our dog out at night and we didn't have a fenced in yard at the time so she's out on a 50 foot lead or something and all of a sudden it's, it's night it's like 3 a.m you know and all of a sudden I see these strange lights appear like over a hill like I'm looking and I'm watching and I'm thinking what are those lights from what is that? And, and, and I'm thinking, I live kind of close to right path. Supposedly there's aliens there. You know, they show up on every alien show. Like, what is that? Am I about to have an angelic experience? Well, there was a hill and all of a sudden a big car came over the hill and it was not nothing to write home about. You know, Megan has a story of, of, of driving home at one point and seeing these weird lights and she called her, her stepdad and he said, oh, there's a football game going on it's likely a blimp you know we we might see strange things and they're like get us for a few moments but if it's in the dead of the night and these shepherds are in the wilderness and all of a sudden an angel appears the angel's gonna say do not be afraid because these were warriors the angels the shepherds the shepherds did not see the angel coming over the hill the shepherds didn't hear the angel of the lord be given clearance for landing, right? They had no warning that this angel was coming. It just happened suddenly, suddenly. There's also theological debate about what the angel of the Lord means. Sometimes the angel of the Lord can mean, an, can mean an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Oftentimes when we see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's, a, it's an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Sometimes some would say it's a theophany. A theophany would mean an appearance of Christ, in, uh, an appearance of God the Father in the Old Testament. 
I actually think a theophany is actually a Christophany because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Though it appears right here when it says angel of the Lord, it just means a special divine angel, a special divine messenger. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Look at that. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And get this, they were filled with great fear. We would be too if we're out guarding our dogs by night or guarding our flocks. I mean, we'd be fearful too. The glory of the Lord. You know, what does this look like? Ezekiel chapter one is similar. We do know they were scared. R.C. Sproul makes the case that this is the Shekinah glory of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see this idea of the Shekinah glory, which we see the Shekinah glory in the accounts of the Israelites in the wilderness. As the Israelites were traveling through the 40-year wandering, the Shekinah glory would go before the Israelites as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud during the day. It, it is called the Shekinah glory. It's the glory of the Lord, the Lord's protection. And that's what it seems like is going on here. It's, it's the glory of the Lord. This would be amazing. Shepherds are terribly frightened. The Greek, the Greek uses a verb for frightened once, and then it describes it with a noun, describing them as frightened, along with an adjective to describe them as greatly frightened. Never miss the modifiers. They are greatly frightened. They're not just a little bit frightened. They are greatly frightened. Verse 10, the angel now speaks. The news the angel brings has three parts. Good news, great joy for all people. Good news, great joy for all people. This is deep. Jesus blesses all people. Now that may not strike us as that amazing because we believe everything should be equal and all kinds of stuff. They didn't back then. For the Israelites, many times they thought the promises for God, uh, the promises from God were just for them. They weren't. They were called to be missionaries. But this is saying for all people. So later on in the New Testament, we have Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Revelation 7, 8 through 11, where John saw a great multitude of many tribes, tongues, and nationalities worshiping God. This message from the shepherds is good news of great joy for all the people. For the tribal people in Africa, that was a great testimony of that song, Steve. I love that about the power of Jesus' name. This is good news of great joy for all people. Verse 11 explains this even more. It says, the city of David, that is Jerusalem, a savior has been born today. So how long did it take the shepherds to get to him? He is Christ, by the way. This is not Jesus' last name, but a title, meaning the anointed one. And we're gonna see in a moment, the shepherds are gonna go right away. They're gonna go with haste. They're gonna go quickly. Verse 12, the angel is about to give them a sign of who Jesus is. Jesus will be found in swaddling clothes, which are strips of cloth. He'll be lying in a manger, which is a feeding trough. I heard Chuck Spindall say that the shepherds wouldn't be surprised of this. 
because that's what they did with their babies. They laid them in the feeding trough. The feeding trough probably would have been made of hewn stone in pretty good size, actually. It probably wouldn't have been wood because the animals would gnaw away at the wood and they did have a lot of stone in that area. They lay the baby Jesus in the feeding trough. Verse 13, we see that word suddenly again. Suddenly, a great multitude of heavenly hosts, of angels appeared. So they had the Shekinah glory. You have one angel, and now you have a multitude of angels out in the wilderness. And what are they doing? They are praising and worshiping God. This is powerful. This is amazing. By the way, host carries the idea of an an army of angels. These angels are praising God and they're saying glory to God in the highest. There is no greater glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. We cannot describe a way to worship God high enough. Do you realize that? I think that's why he just said in the highest. They may not have had words to describe how the angels were worshiping God. How amazing is this? Think about it. The shepherds, they got to see angelic worship. That's pretty awesome. I've never seen angelic worship. I would bargain none of us have seen angelic worship. They didn't just get to see one angel. They got to see an army of angels, an army of God's warrior messengers. And then they got to see them worship. I bet it was pretty loud. I bet it was pretty amazing. I bet it was pretty awesome. And they said, glory to God in the highest. And they continue. Um, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So they also talk about God's peace. In verses 15 through 20, the shepherds go to, go to, go to Jesus and they worship Jesus. We're not going to read those verses today, but allow me to make a few comments. Verse 15 shares that the angels went away from them and it says they went away into the heavens. Just like they showed up, they went away. Isn't that amazing? It was at a Friendsgiving gathering a few years ago. So we all had this uh, Thanksgiving meal amongst friends and one of these friends had kittens in the house and some, uh, a kid was watching something on an iPad. And I saw the kitten look at that iPad and the kitten put its paw behind the iPad. You know, like, where's that picture coming from? You know, and just like the kitten was trying to figure this out, I believe there are things in the spiritual realm we can't figure out. These angels appeared out of nowhere and they disappeared right into the heavens. And just like we can't see radio waves going through the church building right now and Wi-Fi waves and all that type of stuff, there is angelic activity, which we can't see and we don't know about unless God chooses to make it known. Some people have a spiritual gift of discernment of spirits and they can know when certain things are going on because God provides that. They just disappear into the heavens. The shepherds spoke to one another about what to do. You know, imagine what they said. They look at each other. Well, what do we do now? I bet there was no question. Let's go find Jesus. Let's go worship Jesus. They went to Bethlehem right away. They went to see what the Lord has done. Verse 16 says, so they go in haste. They go in a hurry. 
They did not stop at the red lights. Thankfully, they didn't have red lights. They didn't linger. They did not waste time. They found their way. They had to search for the stable to find Mary and Joseph and the baby. Jesus was still in the feeding trough. (laughs) They must have gotten there quickly. This shows that this event happened likely the same night as his birth. Because later, when the Magi, the wise men, went to see Jesus, he was in a house. And it was probably a few months later. Might have been two years, but I think probably more like a few months. But this was likely the same night. Verse 17, once they saw this, they explained what the angel had said. What's that like? They go to Mary and Joseph and the others there and they said, I mean, do you think Mary was like, "Uh, who are you? (laughs) Why are you here? (laughs) And then they said, oh, this angel came to me. And then a multitude of angels came to me. And the angel told me, we want to worship the Christ child. They were mesmerized. They were amazed. Verse 19 is key, and it seems to be a key verse for the gospel according to Luke. It says, Mary remembered these things. Mary pondered these things in her heart. This may be how Luke received this material. Later on in verse 51, this is repeated. This is repeated twice in Luke chapter 2. Verse 20, the shepherds went back, but they were glorifying and praising God. The angels come to the shepherds, and it seems to me the shepherds become among the first evangelists. They go out there. They couldn't hold it in. They glorify and they praise God. Some final applications here. This was not a silent night. As much as I love that hymn, beautiful hymn, it was not a silent night. All was not calm and bright, though the angelic encounter would definitely be bright. It was hard. It was a very hard and very difficult night for Mary and Joseph. He was born not in a hospital, nor in a guest room, but in a stable. We all have journeys that are difficult. Jacob's son, Joseph, was sold into slavery, Genesis 37. But that was not the end of the story. David fled Saul and fled to the Philistines for a few years. First Samuel chapter 19 and through chapter 27. And David wrote Psalms asking, why do you allow my enemies to prosper? David was asking the Lord, when are you going to save me? But guess what? That was not the end of the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow down and worship the king's image, but they didn't in Daniel chapter 3. And they were thrown in a fiery furnace, and it was not the end of the story. The people of Israel were exiled for, for um, 400 years, no, 50 years, 400 years with Egypt, and 50 years later on, but that was not the end. Now, the baby Jesus is born in a stable. He would live a very, very difficult life. He would walk to Calvary. He would allow himself to be crucified by the people he created. He would allow himself to be spit upon by the people he created. He would allow himself to be speared with the spear that he created. He would allow himself to be beaten with materials that he created. He would allow himself to be hung on a cross 
with wood that he created. He allowed nails to go through his hands and feet with materials that he created. And he would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it was not the end of the story. He was resurrected and he lives eternally interceding for you and me. All of us take difficult journeys, but God walks with us on the journeys. And God redeems the journeys. And that is not the end of the story. Mary could not see the angels would be rejoicing. She couldn't see it. She could not see that we would be reading the story over 2,000 years later. There's that wonderful song, Mary, Did You Know? Steve sung it on Christmas Eve. Thank you. Love it. And some people question how much did Mary know? For sure she knew prophecies and things like that. But I'm sure she could not understand or comprehend the extent of Jesus' suffering and the extent of his glorification. So remember, as we look at this, that sometimes when we go through difficult times, God does not waste our suffering. It's not the end of the story. Sometimes we will not see the purpose in our suffering. Maybe sometimes God reveals us snippets of his purpose. Sometimes we may not know till we go to be with the Lord in heaven. But we can know God does not waste it. This was a very exciting night, I'm sure, for Mary, but also a very difficult night. But it wasn't the end of the story. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I do thank you so much as we see this passage and we see the angels visit the shepherds. And we see this awesome, awesome worship, angelic worship. How awesome is that? And we celebrate and we worship your coming. You came amongst us and lived amongst us and died on the cross for our sins and you rose again. Lord God, encourage the Christians today. Encourage all of us here. Encourage us as we leave. Encourage those who watch online now or later or listen that you are at work. And just like this was an exciting night for the shepherds, It was an extremely difficult time for Mary and Joseph. Everything that they had gone through the previous nine months, the shame of looking looking like she's an adulterous woman, the shame of an unwed pregnancy and everything else, the poverty that they already lived in, having to travel right before giving birth, giving birth birth in a stable but you had a purpose. And Jesus, you came amongst us to redeem us from our sins and to live with us. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, we thank you, Lord. We are never alone. After you rose again, you sent us the Holy Spirit who's still with us today. Be with us, strengthen us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna conclude with the first verse of a child's system. Of course, twice.